0: Money Sense is brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group, four-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to EllenBecker.com and listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 and Sundays at noon.
1: welcome to money sense i'm karen ellen becker i'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for the ellen becker investment group and as you all know after listening to me all the time we're located in pewaukee just north of i-94 between highway 164 and highway f we're in that ridgeview corporate park center we're also in the village of whitefish bay in the equitable bank building across from winkies and we have the luxury of survey servicing our clients in bonita springs florida if you'd like to know more put a face with a voice, you can go to EllenBecker.com. My guest today is Dr. Tiffany Tate and I happened to um, read some information about her and the two of us connected because I thought that her story was not unique, but certainly unique to her. It's a story that so many of us face in our lives when we've built a career. And we've maybe it's been a health crisis, maybe we've been let go from a career. Maybe it just didn't work out the way we had hoped it would. And we're faced with that dilemma as what does the rest of my life look like? And you know, what I've seen in my practice and I've seen in my own trying out retirement, is that some people a year or two after they retire, they lose their zest and they start walking like they have nowhere to go. And if you just look around and look at a lot of different people, you can see those people. And I often think to myself, there's so much more out there. There's so much more. But one of the things I've learned is that you have to, not just plan for it, but you have to have a vision and you have to want it. And when I was reading some of the things about Dr. Tiffany Tate, I thought this lady really wanted it. And she went for it. And so Tiffany, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the radio show. And what I'd like to ask you, you are a physician. You are retired OBGYN. You are an author. You are a speaker. um, You we're going to talk about some of the books and some of the things that you've learned from your life. But can you tell my listeners a little bit about your story and how Sometimes things just don't turn out the way we want them to, no matter how hard we work for it.
0: Absolutely. Basically, I was born and raised in Compton, California by my aunt because both of my parents struggle with drug abuse. And she took me in at the age of two. She was a single parent who had two children of her own. And when I was in medical school, I joined the United States Navy and I did my residency. I went to Meharry Medical College, and I did my residency at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee, and everything was going great. I was a partner physician, and I was moving along, and I thought I had it made until I fell out of a trailer, and I had a life-altering surgery. I had actually I had six surgeries in over two years and I did not properly recover and I was medically retired at the age of 44. So that threw a monkey wrench in all of my plans and that was not what I had wanted. So there I was medically retired and not very happy. So most people would be like, yay, you're retired. But I had overcome too many obstacles to become a surgeon. All those late nights, all those parties that I gave up, all the things I had sacrificed, all those nights that I spent missing children's parties, missing those holidays, all those things that I had gave up to achieve my dreams to become a surgeon, I wanted to work. I had planned to work. I had just hit my stride. I was a partner physician and I was on my way up the ladder. I didn't want to retire. It wasn't my plan to retire. I hit a major depression and that is not what I wanted to do. (laughs) And so I was not happy. I was not happy at all. I had a professional crisis. So what did I do? I had to look within. I had a lot of pride. I had a lot of prayer. I had my come to Jesus moment. And I ended up starting to write. When I started at UC Santa Barbara, my college, I actually started as an English major because my goal was to become an English teacher to pay my way through medical school because I always liked writing and I always liked reading books. But my guidance um, person told me that sweetie, teachers can't pay their way through medical school. You might as well major in science. And he laughed at my face. <laughs> and so I changed my major to biology and then subsequently cellular and developmental biology with a black studies minor. And I began to write in the memo section of my phone. So sometimes a hobby can progress into something beautiful. And I ended up giving birth to what I call my third baby because I have two children. And I ended up writing my first book. Poetry, a collection of 108 poetic flows on life, love, and liturgical issues. And I know this is a money segment,
1: right? <laughs> money sense, and, yes.
0: And so I'm not going to read a whole poem, but I have a, actually have a poem on taxes. <laughs> uh-huh. And it says, no one loved taxes, but they must be paid. The financial support keeps our country's finances made in the shade. Tax revenue pays our police, firemen, and teachers, just to name a few. How can you love America when you fail to render what is financially due?
1: (laughs) That's so cute. Yes.
0: (laughs) So that's just an excerpt. It's a longer poem. But you can kind of recreate yourself. And that sent me on the trajectory to begin writing. And I have since written poetry. And I wrote a children's book called Bad Touching. And that is a book that teaches children to protect themselves about sexual abuse and to teach them about the warning signals of predators and what is good touch and bad touch. And it is also a poetic book, so it's easy reading and I'm getting good feedback because children who have read this book are reporting abuse and they're learning how to protect themselves. So I count that as a win.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Um, I consider myself to be a renaissance woman because I am recreating myself. And I believe it's important to not put yourself in a box because as I have learned to rebrand myself, I think it has helped. Since I've last spoken with you, I've actually participated in the Carla Hall cooking competition and (laughs) the semifinals. (laughs) I didn't win it, but I did make it all the way to the semifinals. And I thank God for that. I've also been on the NBC radio show, and now I'm a co-host on that as well. So I'll be a co-host every Wednesday for that. And I think it is, you are only limited by what you think. And I never saw myself writing or as a poet. I didn't want to write. When I had my knee surgery, I ended up on post-operative day 10 with post-operative pericarditis. They even called a respiratory code. And I remember kind of negotiating with God saying, if you get me out of this, I will start writing. And my plan was to write an autobiography, not a poetry book. <laughs> Never in a million years thought I was going to write a poetry book. If you told me five years ago, I will be writing poetry book, I would have called you a big fat liar. And so sometimes we don't see ourselves doing things, but We sometimes need to see ourselves outside of a box. And if you have a hobby or if you have something that you're interested in, even if it was something when you were younger, you might want to start cultivating that. Don't give up on a dream that you once had because that dream you once had might be something that can blossom into something further after you retire
1: so many people just feel like they're one thing they're their job or even a parent or a mother Um, so many people see themselves in that box i guess let's um let's take a quick break it's a good time to take a break and one of the things that i have experienced with my clients is that when they're left go from a job and so many of the big breweries and big companies and medical companies, you know, they left go of people that were making a a very substantial income. They were like, you felt, I am on my way, I have it made. This is something I've always wanted. And then they lose that opportunity and they really struggle with shame around it. And they struggle with that um, shame and, and anger that it wasn't fair. Can we take a little bit of time in the next segment to just talk about how, you said you had to go within yourself and you had to really work hard to pull yourself out of um, that depression. And I know that it was more of a situational depression, a situation that happened and it just knocked you off your block. So with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sets. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. My guest today is Dr. Tiffany Tate. Uh, she mentioned in the beginning, she's a retired OBGYN and she has been redesigning and recreating her life. And she has made such beautiful strides and I almost feel like in listening to you, you opened up one door and then another door opened. And because you were curious and because you were willing to face and take a risk and face your fears, you were able to find many doors open. And I, I have found in my life that every time I opened a door, the next one seemed a little bit easier. <laughs> and um, so when you think about going back to that time when you realized that you were medically retired, how were you feeling? And how did you deal with those feelings?
0: it was a professional crisis and there was indeed fear because I did identify myself as my profession. And you come to the point where you do have to realize That you are not your profession because I was still a mother. I was still a friend. I was still a child of God. I still had all these other labels that were still applicable to me, and I was more than my title. And it took me a moment to realize that I had more going for myself than being Dr. Tiffany Tate. And it's hard. When you lose that esteem and you lose that title, because when you walk into a room, you have this, I want to say, clout per se, because everyone wants to be a physician or a lawyer, because, you know, a lot of times that's the epitome of what people call making it. But not necessarily in reality, because you just want to be loved and you want to be able to provide for your family. But once you retire, you still have an income. And being medically retired, I was still providing for my family. I was still being receiving an income, but I still felt useless because I wasn't able to do what I was what I felt I was born to do. I loved delivering babies. I loved performing surgeries. And I feel it's the greatest profession ever. I still feel that way. I don't know if you feel the passion in my voice. (laughs) I still feel it. But I had to learn that there are different ways that I can give back. I volunteer in the community. I try to give lectures when I can to the residents. And I just had to figure out other ways that I can make myself useful, other ways that I can give back. That's why I started writing children's books. That's why I started giving lectures to the family practice and the OBGYN residents. I said, okay, let me think outside of the box. What can I do to fulfill my needs and to make sure I am okay? You have to figure out what is it that I can do? Maybe this is the time where you decide, I want to do a vision board. Where do I see myself now? Where do I see myself a year from now? Where do I see myself in five years? A lot of times you think vision board. If you don't want to actually put out and write a vision board, you can put it on a sheet of paper. You can put it in the memo section of your cell phone. You can do it in in your mind mentally, but start thinking about What is your plan? What do you wanna do? Do you want to work? Do you want to travel? What is it that you want out of life? What is it that is going to fulfill you? I know you might wanna spend time with your kids, with your grandkids. Do you want to be the babysitter? Do you want to have more me time? Do you want to curl up with that book? Do you want to curl up with the remote and watch some Netflix and <laughs> I'm Prime? You know, what is it that's going to fulfill you? Because you're going to have time on your hands. And I know for me, initially, I had depression and I knew I needed help. So as a physician, I sought the help I needed. I got counseling because a lot of times we don't get counseling. And it's okay if you don't wanna get counseling, get a book to help you through that, but recognize that you need help. One of the problems is denial. And we always say denial is not just a river in Egypt. Mental health is one of the real problems in America. And we definitely need to address that. It is the elephant in the room that people definitely need to talk about. So if you know you have a problem, address the problem. But if you can do self-help, hey, it's okay. But recognize if you need help. I knew that I needed more than what I could give myself. So I sought help from a real professional until I could get on my feet. And once I was on my feet, I left the professional and hey, then I was doing okay.
1: <laughs> one of the things often clients will say, or friends that I don't have any hobbies. I don't have, I don't have anything to give back. I mean, my life is just a boring. I get up and I go to work and I, but yet many of the things, the books that you've written have come from personal experience. Things that you really, did know something about?
0: I believe everybody has something that they're good at, whether it is cooking, even if it's eating, even if it's jumping rope, even if it's watching TV, everybody has something that they are good at and you can possibly monetize it. So Google is something that you can figure out what you're good at. And if you wanted to do a second career, you can Google any hobby that you have and figure out a way to monetize it. Even if you wanted to clean out your closet, you can sell what's in your closet and monetize that. There's always something that you can do to monetize it. If you are I don't want to say um, older, I always say seasoned. So if you're <laughs> seasoned and you've been shopping and you have a bunch of handbags in your purse, I mean, in your closet, there's a way for you to you know resell those and monetize that. So there's always something that you can do. If you want to re-gift things, you can always monetize that. So there's always something you want to sell, the things in your garage, you can put that on eBay or Etsy or something like that, you can monetize that. If you are good at crocheting, you can make blankets and customize those and monetize that. So you will be surprised at what type of things that you can make or you can bake and monetize. So there's always something that you can do. If you spray paint, you can spray paint shoes, and monetize that. You can personalize different items. So you will be surprised at what people will buy nowadays. And with the internet and with the ability to go global or local or statewide or nationwide, there's always something that you can do to monetize whatever you think you don't have a hobby
1: for. I agree. One of the things that helped me along when I was downsizing and so many people do downsize is I had those boxes of pictures of my kids and growing up and I was able to do four books and save the pictures and put them in a book for them and then put it on a on the computer so that they would have it if they ever wanted it and it took me a long time to do it but when i was done i felt so good about it and gave it to them for christmas so there are a lot of things that you can do and really if i was not still working and if i wasn't doing radio and if i wasn't doing all the other things i do i could take that skill that i learned doing those books and help somebody else do their books mm-hmm
0: because a lot of people they don't have time, so right. you can say, hey send me your pictures. I'll be happy to scan them into the computer for you and do that. Because some people are busy, and you would be surprised at what you can market, whether it's marketing your service or even locally saying, "Hey, I will walk your dogs for you." Because a lot of people don't want to do things, especially the younger or generation. they
1: can't, or they can't. That's true too and i even know um, you were talking about someone who loves the shop and has a closet full of clothes i could think of 10 people off right off the top of my head who would like to have somebody go shop for them and take things back if they didn't like it just be a professional shopper and i know people talk about doing that and there are services but if you're really looking at retirement and you say i could shop for someone once or twice a week i don't need a full-time job anymore i can just do it part-time there's so many things whether it's grocery shopping or clothes shopping or gift shopping you know it's it's hard to shop i find it hard to shop and if i bring something home and i don't like it and i got to take it back the second time it's like oh my goodness i don't want to do that (laughs) but some people don't mind doing that and they have a flair for it
0: And even Uber drivers, people, Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, there's always something that you can do, even if not part-time, full-time, there's always something.
1: There is. We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, you brought up something that I think is really significant. And that's, you said, how can I give back? I believe that giving back is one of the key elements to people revisiting who they are, um, finding that same feeling of value that they had in their job is that idea of giving back in some way. And there's so many ways to give back. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense, I'm Karen Becker, the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I have a very special guest today, Dr. Tiffany Tate, and she is a retired OBGYN. She was not retired because she wanted to be retired. She was retired because of medical reasons. And when I read her story and I read about some of the things that she was doing, I thought this is, this is a lady, of my own heart, um, she lives by what she trusts, not by what she fears. And she started to reinvent herself. And at the same time that I was looking at some of the things that she was doing, I was also doing some soul searching of my own and trying to figure out what 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 does what does the next twenty or thirty years of my life look like, and how can I also have that same sense of of commitment of structure, but Also, a feeling that I'm bringing value back to the world. And so, Dr. Tiffany, Tiffany, how did you, when you started to think about what you could do and you started looking at writing, where did that come from in your heart? Where that giving back? There's so many ways of giving back and you found one that is very special and specialized to you.
0: Well, I wanted to try to make the world a better place one book at a time, and I decided to look within myself and based on some of my personal experiences. And I started with Bad Touching based on my history of abuse as a child to try to help promote children to understand abuse and report abuse. Now my next book to come out will be Little Engine Mia Sings, and that is going to teach children about bullying and help them to collaborate and understand bullying and to talk about it and to not suffer in silence and to talk to and promote them and encourage them to talk to adults about it and to not just um, deal with it amongst themselves. I also have it's such
1: a, a it's such a stigma yes. and children are afraid and often they're told they can't tell. And, you know, there was that whole series about stranger danger. And the reality is, is that most of the danger is very close proximity to people that they know. So for you, I'm assuming maybe not that you held it in and you didn't share and so you wanted you didn't want other children to feel like you felt absolutely
0: with 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 my with my experience with uh with abuse with bad touching i didn't say anything until i was in my 40s and i did not want a child to have to endure that i didn't stop experiencing it until he left the house and that's unacceptable and i already know that one of my sorority sisters she gave my book to a friend who gave her gave the book to her son and he has since reported being abused by um her her boyfriend and she is taking steps to protect him so i already know that my book bad touching is getting results. So I feel that it is a success. It's a simple rhythmic story about Lily and Linda who talk about uh or who experience abuse. And I think that because it's so easy to read, children understand it and they find it applicable to their lives. And it's such um a powerful story because it's based on a true story. And I believe that it empowers children and it makes it safe for children to tell.
1: Well, and I think also if a parent is reading that to a child, it also is giving that message to the parent if something should happen to them, which I know you've experienced that as well as an adult, it's not just children, that you're giving permission across the board, even though it appears as a child's book, it still impacts the adult that's reading it. It does,
0: it does. I have had women at my church who have experienced abuse as children come to me and say, this has been therapeutic for me as well because when I was a child, my uncle did X, Y, and Z. And we have both cried. And so I believe that whether you are a child, whether you are an adult, if you have experienced abuse, this book is a healing book. And i that's all I wanna do is to help people. And whether I'm working as an OBGYN or just helping as an author now, again, I wanna make the world better one book at a time.
1: And we know that bullying can have such an impact on children and the thing about bullying now is it's not just in the classroom or on the playground, it's on social media, it's everywhere and in the past if you did something and got bullied maybe it would pass but now it it has a life of its own because it gets onto the social platforms
0: yes yes now with little engine mia sings when the when the bully comes out and he's trying to bully her he does it in front of her friends and all both she and her friends are affected by this. And that is usually what happens because everybody is in shock and nobody knows what to do. Nobody knows how to react. Nobody knows how to respond. And they all go home and try to figure out, okay, what do we do? How do we stop this? And then when he does it again, they figure out what, what should we do? and then mia speaks up for herself and they talk to him about it and he has his aha moment and then he apologizes for his behavior towards bullying little engine mia because she's a little choo-choo train (laughs) (laughs) and then they all finally he apologizes and they all finally come together and get along and live and and, and work in school together in p- peace and harmony, but they they go through this turmoil where he's bullying her on the playground, but they have to work through it collectively as students. But it's a it's a it's a problem for them, and they have to figure this out, and they think about okay, how can we fix this? But they figure it out by talking it out.
1: Well, and so many times, and I know I found myself in a situation like that, somebody is saying something that happened just recently where there was someone in a restaurant that was being absolutely horrid to a waitress. And then another person came up and they were just horrid. And it's like, how do you intervene? Should you intervene? Should you say something, you know, how do you do that? And it's all about choices. We're all going to be making choices our whole life.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there's one there's one um, page where one of her friends is reflecting on what happened over the course of the day, and they're thinking, okay, should I have said something? What should I have said? How could I have helped make this better? what should i have said to 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 this bully to have stopped this should i have intervened how should i have intervened and a lot of times hindsight is always 2020 20. so there's always this hmm this you know this reflective moment and that that's what goes on in the book okay how could i have helped my
1: friend it's beautiful and again it helps I always love a good book when it's a, a children's book, when a parent reads it and the parent gets to reflect on something themselves. And so it's for both the parent or the person reading it and as well as the child or the person who is listening to the story. That That's like a really beautiful full circle.
0: <laughs> now, my Money Matters book is a book about uh, some, some brothers who they're on their way home from the park and they find a hundred dollar bill so they rush home to tell their mom and they're like hey look what we found we want to go buy some candy and she's like hey why don't you invest it instead and they're like what do you mean invest (laughs) we don't want to do that she's like let me teach you and she breaks it down about you know the rule of 72 (laughs) and they're like huh (laughs) and so it's a it's a cute little rhythmic you know because I'm a poet it's cute little rhythmic story uh about tithing and investing and 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 putting money aside for yourself but and not taking it straight to candy and then taking a little bit money taking a little bit of money aside for for shopping after you have put money for yourself and for God, and then going to the store. And the kids are like, okay. (laughs) And so basically mom kind of schools them about what they should do and preparing for troubles and the kids, they reluctantly agree, but it's a, it's a cutesy little story for them, um, after they find the money on their way home.
1: We're gonna take a quick break. My guest today is Dr. Tiffany Tate and she has been talking about her career. She was a little bit waylaid um, early in her life after she worked so hard to become a physician, but she has created a whole new life for herself and she is still bringing so much value just in a different way. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense, I'm Karen Ellenbecker. If you would like to know more about the Ellen Becker Investment Group, you can go to ellenbecker.com. My guest today is Dr. Tiffany Tate, and it has been an interview that I've really waited um, to do and look forward to do because I feel that there are so many people that in their lives, they are so focused. I have many clients that are focused on What is the return on their investment? How much are they saving? And I always try to help people to understand that time is wealth as well. And looking at the time and how you spend your time and how that it's sort of like compounding when you give back. And when you find those things that you love, you always start with more than what you had. And so Dr. Tate has really been able to do that. And I'm just curious. Um, Tiffany, as to your words of wisdom and how you're feeling now about the things that you're doing and the way that you're giving back, which is totally different than you, you had planned for, you had in your vision.
0: Well, I am thankful for where I am. I say I took the road less traveled by in the words of what Robert Frost (laughs) and I believe that everything happens for a reason. I know that in the beginning I was very reluctant and I was very angry and since I have now embraced it but I will say that I am content with the journey that my life has taken. I consider myself a Renaissance woman. I no longer put myself in a box or let other people put me in a box. And I say whatever door God opens up for me, I will walk through it. Whether it is singing, (laughs) I will sing in the rain. And I will dance through whatever pain I endure and I will just roll with whatever punches life throws at me. I say when life hands you lemons, you make lemonade. And I think that it was hard not practicing medicine anymore, because that was indeed my first love. I loved being a surgeon, I loved going into the operating room, I loved sticking my hands in people's body, that might sound gross, but it was what I loved, and so <laughs> it was what I enjoyed doing. And. Being an author now, it is definitely different, but I like the fact that I am making a difference in people's lives. I have had people come up to me and tell me that my books are making a difference in their lives. My book, Floetry, 108 uh, Poetic Flows on Life, Love, and Liturgical Issues, people have found it encouraging. Uh, My book, Bad Touching, is helping to identify abuse and help children report it. And my goal is that Little Engine Mia Sings will help protect children from abuse. I mean, uh, from bullying, Uh, just like bad touching is protecting children from abuse. And I'm hoping that my book, Money Matters, will help teach children and adults too (laughs) about money. (laughs) And so I am just hopeful that as my life continues to roll forward, things will go well. I believe that as I progress, I am like that caterpillar that has broken out of its cocoon. It was indeed painful. I am transitioning into a butterfly. I am continuing to morph and uh, who knows what I will be. Uh, As I continue to roll forward, I am continuing to walk through any door that will open, and I believe I'm going to continue to write more books and continue to do new things. I have written a play for my church, and they will be performing it in October. I am just going to continue to write and write and
1: write and be God's pen. That sounds wonderful. When you um, are talking about doing the play and all of these other things, how is your family reacting to this new you?
0: My children are very supportive and encouraging. They are my number one supporters. (laughs) They are absolutely fabulous and they are absolutely awesome. (laughs) They are just so excited for me. And both of them are in college. I have a daughter who is a junior. Uh, actually, she's about to be a senior in college, she's about to start her senior year of college at a, Azusa Pacific University. And my son is about to start his second year for, of his master's program. So they will both be graduating together.
1: <laughs> oh, that's great. Yes. And how do people get in contact with you? And how can they reach out to get your books? They can
0: reach out to me. On Instagram at Dr. Tiffany T-I-F-F-A-N-I-E. Tate T A T E M O O R E on Instagram. And on Facebook at Dr Tiffany T-I-F-F-A-N-I-E, Tate T-A-T-E, more M-O-O-R-E.
1: And we only have about two minutes left. You talked earlier about depression and We do want to relate, of course, my radio show a little bit to the financial end of everything. And as a business owner myself, I know that when people are in depression and when they're struggling with depression, it's hard to function in in a daily life. You made the decision to get help, and there's still such a stigma around people asking for help when they know that something is wrong how can you encourage and what would you encourage my listeners to look at to take that baby step or to take that big step whichever way you'd look at it to get help and to um, find something that is going to really bring happiness to you and joy because that's what i see and hear in your voice absolutely absolutely i would say If you can't
0: talk to a professional, find a good friend you can talk to, or talk to your clergy or whoever your spiritual guide is. And I would definitely seek solace in someone. And I believe that help is the best thing that you can do and get. If you're definitely thinking about hurting someone, go to the or hurting yourself. Go to the nearest emergency room. By all means, your life is truly, truly worth living because whatever problem you're having, it is always temporary and fleeting. Don't take a permanent solution for something that is temporary. Um, and I believe that you should always try and remember to push Pray until something happens, because no matter what, it's always going to be better tomorrow.
1: When I think of individuals, often when we talk about retirement, we talk about not working. It's generally we're thinking about someone who is 60, 65 years old, somewhere in that area. Yet you were forced into retirement at a much younger age. You were in your 40s and you didn't want to be retired and it can happen to a young person it could be an accident like you had it could be any type of a thing that would force you into a retirement stage so it's really important i think for everyone to kind of start thinking about what does that next part of my life look like and what if you know what if something did happen how could i have you know we have backup plans for everything how can i start creating something that i'm interested in being curious and maybe not totally focusing just on what you're doing for a living. Yeah, and I will say definitely always get disability insurance. (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) That is what saved me. And I don't think I mentioned it. You can get my books on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles.
1: Oh, that's great. You know, that's so true. To look at your disability insurance and how you pay for it, if you pay with pre-tax dollars or after-tax dollars, if your company's paying for it, it has a major impact on your bottom line. So it's all about educating yourself. It's all about awareness. And I think one of the things is you discovered parts of yourself that you didn't even know were there.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And don't discount and say you don't have talent because you'd be surprised with what you have you might have an invention in you, you might have uh, a song in you, you might have a play in you, any thought that's in you, explore it. Don't discount it.
1: It can be hard to do that, but yet if you're willing and able and want uh, to create a life for yourself that you know, in those last years of your life or whatever that looks like, even if you're younger right now and you're not happy, it's kind of like explore the possibilities. There's always possibilities out there. Absolutely. My guest today is Dr. Tiffany Tate. She has been sharing with us um, several books that she did. Uh, Her one book is Bad Touching. And that she said is based on her own story in a way that she could give back and find a voice. She found her voice and also the voice for other children and other parents. She also is um, the author of 108 Poetic Flows on Life. And she is going to release shortly, Little Engine, Miss Sings, Mia Sings. I should know that, my granddaughter's name is Mia. And that is a book about teaching about bullying and how to again, find your voice. And she has another book, her last book that's gonna be released, which is Money Matters. And that's about savings, tithing, and uh, compound interest and helping these little children to decide to do with that uh, big hundred dollar bill that I'm to a child thinks that's gonna last forever. <laughs> 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 and to be able to start thinking, getting curious and starting to think about other ways of managing money, I think it's just fabulous. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that. And all of her books are on Amazon and where else? Frank and Nobles. Barnes and Noble. And uh, so once again, thank you so much. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and your financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a really great weekend. Bye.